Welcome to the Empirical Cycling Podcast. I'm your host, Coley Moore, joined as always by my co-host, Kyle Helson. Thank you, everybody, as always, for listening. And of course, if you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe, of course, and give a five-star rating and a nice review. We really appreciate those. But of course, most importantly, share the podcast. That goes a long way towards supporting us. And if you'd like to give us a quick donation, because we are ad-free and sponsorless, you can... Uh, so at empiricalcycling.com slash donate, uh, listeners have given us a little raise lately, and we really appreciate that. Thank you so much for all of that and all the donations and all the kind words and all the, you know, hey, all this training advice is being very helpful. I'd love to hear that. And I also love when it's not being helpful. So let me know. Try to help out. Um, so uh, remember, if we are, uh, well, there's no show notes up on the website for this episode. That's empiricalcycling.com, of course. And uh, in the last episode, which this is a sequel of, we have a lot of show notes. So we will probably refer to those. Um, so you might want to go check those out. And of course, uh, other intro stuff. Uh, what is it? Oh yeah. Coaching and consultation inquiries. <laughs> we are a coaching company. We do consults. We will answer all of your questions. We are here to coach you. If you want reach out to empirical cycling at gmail.com. If you would like to get in touch about any of that. Uh, and of course, uh, we are going to end this episode with listener questions from my Instagram. So that's empirical cycling on Instagram in case you couldn't figure that out. Everybody could, of course. So up in the stories, that's where I ask for questions and, um, that is that. Uh, and of course, uh, oh yeah, we can AMAs up in the Instagram stories. We just wrapped one of those up and, um, yeah, it was a fun one. So thank you all for your thoughtful questions. Um, and your thoughtful questions on the over-unders. So, um, where are we at with over-unders? So last episode, um, Kai, why don't you summarize kind of what we discussed in the, the last Wattstock? Yeah. So we, we took a dive into some of the common purported reasons why over-unders are good training or, or maybe superior training to, to steady state intervals, um, including better lactate shuttling or lactate transport or and also things like better lactate tolerance, which is maybe poor nomenclature these days, but at least like or better lactate utilization perhaps. Um, and it, it seems like, although there is no direct study that studies a you know, two groups of people, one doing just two by 20, uh, sweet spot intervals versus say one doing two by 20 over unders, uh, to say whether or not like things like anaerobic capacity or lactate, uh, tolerance go up or down, things like that. It appears, it would appear from the literature that the purported benefits are not there to make them so special compared to regular traditional threshold training, but that being said, if they're if they're a good workout for you and you like them and you see good benefits, you should definitely keep on doing them. Um, they're definitely popular and and they can be a good way to break up the boredom if you're stuck on the trainer. Also, if they are if they are more race like and, and and we'll talk about this, I'm sure if 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 they more closely match something, say like accelerating in a peloton that you're bad at, then yeah, doing them could provide real tangible benefits in that. But that benefit is not you're better at burning lactate because you're generating more <laughs> lactate very briefly. Um, so yeah, yeah it's, it's a much more specific thing that we're talking about because when I think about over unders um, here's uh, we, I think we briefly touched on this uh, or, or you mentioned it because uh, you know, I've coached you for a long time. And so, so you know how I assign over unders and have for pretty much since forever, uh, which is that I like over unders for the duration of threshold efforts and longer. Um, so 
like, and so like, let's say, when would I do over-unders? What kind of over-unders would I give somebody? So uh, I think what I've seen a lot lately is symmetrical over-unders, which mm-hmm. are, are very appealing to like my OCD side where <laughs> everything's got to be right angles and, you know, well, for me, it's yeah. like organized piles, but still, um, it, everything's got to be right angles, symmetrical, yada, yada. Um, and so, it, you know, it's sort of like the same thing looking at like, what should the work to rest ratio be for like VO to max intervals? One to one to one to two is what we usually hear, but in reality, it can just be kind of whatever if you need it to be. Um, so yeah, yeah don't, don't have, it doesn't have to be six minutes. You know, if it's <laughs> exactly if it's five yeah. minutes and like 48.2 seconds, like great, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, no, no longer works now. <laughs> um, yeah, because because uh, a lot of uh, a lot of my coaching practice is more along the lines of what works and what doesn't, and regardless of the theory behind it. But you know, there's a lot of theory behind, you know, like you mentioned, what over unders are supposed to do, and uh, you know, the last Wattstock 43 was mostly geared at looking at the physiology and the underlying mechanisms behind the adaptations and looking at how their over unders are not unique. There are a lot of benefits to over-unders, and over-unders still, as far as I know, in theory, are only in theory. Like, there's no literature that I've seen saying these are better at, you know, MCT expression or whatever. It's all theory. Um, So we broke down that theory, and now we're going to talk rubber meets the road, um, which is probably a phrase I should stop saying, because I think I said it twice in the last podcast. (laughs) Um, But basically... With over-unders, I don't like to think about interval symmetry. I mean, I like interval symmetry, and one of the things <laughs> that I like to do with all of the workouts I give people, I don't want people to have a whiteboard when they go out. I don't want them to have to like tape a sticky note to their stem so they can actually read the like giant paragraph of text that I wrote of like, do this interval at this percentage of FTP, then you do this, then you do this at this different rest lengths. And... I would rather have something that's really simple for people to think about. So it does end up having some form of symmetry. But when it comes to programming over unders, the biggest thing I want people to do is not blow themselves up by the end of the efforts is number one. Don't blow up. Uh, Unless we're talking about anaerobic capacity. We'll talk about that. Then you kind of do. But for, you know, if we're thinking about like 10 minutes 20 minutes, 30 minute over-unders, longer, you don't want to die. Um, <laughs> yeah, you get you get way worse adaptations if you blow up and die and have to pedal at zone two for the rest of the interval. <laughs> yeah, because more work time is better. Um, so, so here's the thing. The overs should be manageable, and the unders should allow you to recover enough by the time you get to the next over. Like, you don't want it to be a deteriorating function where, like, oh, God, I'm barely hanging on to this, and then you fail the interval. That's not the purpose unless we're talking about anaerobic capacity. So for over-unders, like, here's a typical workout I would give somebody. Like, if somebody's, like, new to over-unders, I'll give them, like, 20 minutes of sweet spot, and I'll have them accelerate for 10 seconds. Like, not a, not a max effort, not a sprint. Just accelerate. Push. Just push for 10 seconds. And go back to sweet spot. That's it. Mm. Every every five minutes, let's start with. And then maybe I'll, I'll give somebody, if I'm really conservative, I'll say like two to four by 15 minutes. That's it. 
And the next time if they do four by 15, cool. You get three by 20 now. <laughs> and then you, you might get three by 25. Like let's add a little interval time. And that's the way that I progress over unders is adding interval time because regardless of whatever else is going on, I think of over-unders as threshold work. And they mm. need to be done for threshold durations of time. In order to progress them, you need to go do them longer. So that's how I do these. And not to say that doing them differently is wrong, because that's certainly not the case. If it works for you, it works for you. And I have absolutely nobody to complain about that or even try to refute it. I can't, because if you've got the, this works for this reason, or it just, it just works, it makes me faster, do it. Um, but this is the way that I like to think about over-unders. So that is like a very beginner type approach to like, let's see how somebody does going over threshold intermittently. Um, so yeah. not, not a bad workout, right? Yeah. And, and like, it's, it, I can see why people would be a little upset because they want a target, not accelerate. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I think cycling, we really have gotten to the, you know, oh, we can make these really nice, pretty graphs of your workout where you've got these different little blocks and they're all these nice, nice, neat rectangles, you know, <laughs> because you you nail this one, pow this power level, and then you go back to this other one and then you nail this other one and then go back. And so I can see why that would be, it's it's easy to prescribe, but I can see why people would be like, want more information yeah are they well, one of the things i like about that is that it lets me see how hard somebody thinks that they can push and then recover from because mm. i would say 75 percent of the time people sneak up on on like an acceleration like if i say 10 seconds or something like that like they'll sneak up on an effort that's like oh that was a little much i had a hard time recovering from that one like when i got back to sweet spot um and that's how most people do it occasionally Somebody's going to fucking send it <laughs> and then die. Mistake. And then, yeah, over the next two or three minutes, the power is going to go from like, yeah, like endurance pace or like not even pedaling and then just like back up to the target. Um, I've made a huge mistake. <laughs> and so, and so that's hugely informative about, about, uh, somebody's, you know, uh, internal pacing governor. And, um, and it's also an important lesson to learn, like if you're in um like if you're in a crit or or a race or whatever and you're trying to catch a breakaway um if you absolutely slam it for like 10 or 20 seconds uh there's a non-zero chance that you're not going to make it across the break um <laughs> and, and cuz you've got to pace yourself but it's also at the same right. time like in terms of just regular race strategy you've got to think is this the winning break? Is it worth risking completely blowing up and getting shot out the back of the Peloton if I don't make it? Um, and that's, that's a decision up to you. Um, and certainly I could, you know, advise different people, different things about that kind of thing. But it's one of those things where having that experience of like, you know, accelerating and then having to go back to, you know, not coasting, um, that kind of thing makes a big difference uh, when you actually go out and race. So in terms of practical stuff, that might be one of my favorite aspects of over-unders, especially for people who are a little newer to cycling. Mm. So do you have any, so then how, do you have any tips, like how hard is like a good level for that acceleration? Like, is it, you know, you, obviously you don't want to be, like you said, 
full send fucking gasping. <laughs> um, I would say start at like 40 to 50% of a full gas sprint. Um, and, or if nothing else, just raise your cadence. Just over that, those 10 seconds, like if you're at 90 RPM, just like aim, okay, I'm going to try to raise my cadence to 110 to 120 and the same gear and then mm-hmm. go back. That's a good way to start. Uh, and after that, like if you are now the advanced version of the accelerations one is to do it from threshold. Mm. And that's for somebody who's really good at threshold riding and can hold it for a long time. Um, and it's, there's nothing special about that workout. I don't really give it that often, but I certainly do give it to people, especially the really well-trained ones. Um, but it's like, that, but that's a good place to start. And so it's, it's ironic that the, the, the progression of the good place to start workout goes right to the, this is for really advanced people only kind of workout. <laughs> um, so here's like the bread and butter type over unders I give people. It's usually, we can start with like tempo. Um, so tempo is like a good way to get into intervals from like base riding, endurance riding early season. Um, and tempo, I always assume it's like, I usually give it anywhere from like 10 to like 20 or 30 Watts over LT one, depending on how wide the range is between LT one and LT two. Um, and I'll just say, you know, accelerate, you know, 10 to 20 seconds or something like that. Same principle. And especially for like trackies and crit racers, I will usually give people a high cadence target to hit, especially on the track. So on the track, if, if I'm working with you, don't be surprised if you see, um, you know, a 10 second push at hundred RPM, 110 to like 140 RPM. So typical, like, you know, track cadence range. Once you get really good at that, we're going to see, I don't know, 130 to 160 or something like that. Um, yeah. So that's the, that's the, like the next version of it. And, and then to really progress that, um, you know, we've got two variables to manipulate. Well, we've really got three how, uh, or four. How long are you holding the overs? How long are you doing the unders? And then how hard are you doing each? So we've got a mm-hmm. couple levers to pull. Um, so my bread and butter over under workouts, there's really two of them. And some people do a lot of their sweet spot threshold type work just as these intervals. And some people never do them at all. And it really depends on how well does, does this person need some kind of, you know, over-unders in their fitness and how well does somebody even tolerate just doing steady standard intervals? Um, It's interesting though, too. And, and to think if you, even if if you're going to try this, let's say you're going to try it, you've never done it before. You're pretty new to them and you, you low ball the overs a little bit. That's fine. It's still a sweet spot workout, right? Like it's still still an FTP workout. It's fine. You know, you, you would rather probably low ball them slightly than fucking full send <laughs> and <then> fail. <laughs> yes. Um, so, so here's the sweet spot over under workout that can comprise a lot of people's, you know, bread and butter training for threshold is a, it's a one to four over to under ratio. And for me, this is usually 30 seconds over to two minutes under, or it's a minute over to four minutes under. And for the okay. overs, usually I go any like, Anywhere from, it's just a pretty rough range of like 20 to 50 watts over threshold and then back to, you know, sweet spot. But here's the thing is once people get used to these efforts, 
I will tell them to like either start at the power target if they if that's what they want or need, but I will often give it to people without any targets whatsoever. Sweet spot over unders, one minute over, four minutes under, go, ride to field. And a lot of people get something like three by thirty, two by forty, uh, stuff like that. So that's that's kind of what we build up to, and then that becomes a very very typical workout. Um, hmm. It can be. And some people never get it. Some people are just, all right, go give me three by 15 at threshold. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, wh- when do I pick one over the other? Um, I mean, part of it is like seat of the pants stuff, but some, some people honestly are just great at, they, they don't need to work the big motor units. They, they're just ready. Like some people don't need to practice accelerating. Like I've, I've said this before on the podcast, coach Katie, she can do nothing but steady state work and then she will go crush a crit. Yeah, I watched her uh, solo breakaway for like 25 minutes the other week. Yeah. Un- entirely unplanned. <laughs> <laughs> That's how most solo breaks happen, I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's also interesting because I think you see some some popular you know workout training plans, whatever you Google, over-unders. Like a lot of them will prescribe them like, you need to be over 125% FTP, like you know, quote unquote anaerobic for that, for the over. And so for some people, you know, you're whatever, 20 to 40 Watts, the 120, that may be within that 120% range. But for a lot of people, if you're, if they're going to follow that prescription of 120%, that's going to be way more than your 40 Watts. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Potentially. And so, that, it, so it's potentially a very different workout all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think that comes from, I mean, I've never seen anything like that before. Um, but uh, you know, assuming that you're relaying it correctly, I, I could see that being from people assuming that 120% of VO, of, uh, FTP is your VO2 max. And then over that you become more anaerobically based right. or whatever explanation there is. It doesn't really work like that, obviously, but, um, I could see that being a thing, but I, I think one of the other kind of practical implications of this is that, um, the overs are actually, you know, looking at what triggers um, aerobic adaptation in a muscle fiber. Uh, part of it is just contracting. And if we tell those large motor units to contract, they are going to get better at, you know, whatever. So it's sort of like at, um, you know, looking at that uh, Wasdoc 37 paper on cross-country skiers, we saw a lot of very aerobically active and aerobically capable fast-twitch fibers. Because the, if you watch cross-country skiers, and um, you know Jesse Diggins has been killing it lately, um, and so I, I every time that, that that comes up on my Instagram, I'm like, yes, go Jesse! Um, <laughs> and you know the um, the cadence of like the arm movement and the leg movement, it's it's fairly low, and the forces are very high. So there's a lot of large motor unit recruitment and a lot of repeated motor unit recruitment. So this is one of the things I think about when I'm thinking about over unders and like. I've got clients who, to be frank, suck at over-unders and any steady-state training. So one of the things that I think about instead is doing intermittent efforts, almost like Tabatas, but not really, um, for FTP durations. And to me, this is just another over-under. And because the unders aren't really oxidizing lactate to some people, it won't count. So you don't have to do this if you don't want to. But you know, if we're looking <laughs> at, I need to recruit large motor units... Uh, I'm going to give somebody like 15 15s or 30 30s for 10 to 20 minutes. And it's not like 
they're going to be crushing it because that's an anaerobic capacity workout because you're barely going to make it five minutes if you crush it. <laughs> yeah. But it's one of those things where if you want to recruit large motor units, like do that. And you're going to, you know, obviously it has a large um, uh, uh, energetic cost to it. Uh, so you don't want to send it too much. You don't want, and you want to make sure that you are recovering from it appropriately because it can deplete a lot of muscle glycogen, cause a lot of fatigue, especially if you kill yourself with it. Um, so it's one of those things where you've got to pick the right tool for the job. Because if you're bad at accelerating repeatedly, something like this might really work well for you. And if you're fine at it, then you don't necessarily need it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine being like, oh, I got 15 minutes of 3030s and just sending the first one? <laughs> it's like, oh, Lord. oh Lord. Well, you are going to. I mean, here's another race specific thing. If you want to be specific for like cyclocross or cross country mountain bike, mm, yeah, like a whole shot. Yeah. Yeah. Or like even gravel, the whole shot, like um, starts for gravel races can be very aggressive. Not all of them, but a lot of them can be. Um, and so, yeah, you want to, you want to, do something race specific with over unders, um, something like this. Like start with an over. I I always assign these things as starting with the over. Always. <laughs> like like if I give somebody three by fifteen with a ten second push every five minutes, I'm gonna I'm gonna have you start with an acceleration and end with one. It's not mm. gonna be like you know ride for four and four minutes, 50 seconds, then then accelerate. Like you're going to start here. And if, if you're a cross country mountain bike racer or a cyclocross racer, you're going to be on your cross bike or your mountain bike in a field, like standing and clipping in <laughs> and, and then in the sending grass. that yeah. first effort. <laughs> if that's yeah, yeah. what is appropriate at that time, it's not every workout, obviously. So it's not like you have to do this, but it's a great way to practice or it can be. Um, so, so those are my two basic over under workouts. Um, and so for, yeah, so for sweet spot, like I said, uh, one to four over to under ratio at, you know, at, you know, some sort of vibes based, not too hard, but just hard enough over. And then, you know, sweet spot ish under, and some people that that sweet spot turns into eventually turns into threshold or something. And that's, that's fine too, but it's, it's not, it's not that important as over time, you should either be progressing the time in the intervals, especially if you're starting with like, you know, 20, 30, 40 minutes or something like that. And if you are unable to progress that you are tired or your intervals are too hard or you need more food or something is off. So that can't go um, wrong with more food, right? No, never. Uh, <laughs> um, so, all right. So that's basic over-unders. That's how I like to program it. Uh, those are my very general thoughts on it. Um, sorry if things are not more specific for folks, uh, but I think that should give everybody a good place to at least start and have fun. Uh, there's Honestly, there's no wrong way to do them. Um, manipulate the cadence, manipulate the power, kind of manipulate the terrain if you want. Like, like you can even like a fart like tempo ride where you're kind of aiming for tempo power, but you push up some rises, you kind of coast down some whatever, like that's so much fun. And that's basically an over under workout. Yeah. You uh, said there's no wrong way to do them. I can envision wrong ways. That sounds like a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> Find a way to fail an over under workout, but, uh, okay. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> 
anyway, so so that's how I like to, to do them. If, you, if somebody else has a, like I said, somebody else has, a, has another way to do them, that's fine. Um, so now we talked about, we would, um, or we mentioned in the last podcast, we would also go into different workouts that would like get us better at clearing lactate if that's a thing that you care about. Um, yeah. So if you want to do the, oh, my, my sweet spot over unders as lactate clearance, um, yeah, riding at 80 to 90% of threshold under. And if you really want to clear lactate, my recommendation is you do your overs when you feel like you've just about recovered from the last one, regardless of the duration. So that is going to get you the most lactate oxidation from your overs. Mm. If, if that's something you care about, that's how you would do it. Um, and the hope would be to reduce the interval time between so that way you are creating a lot more lactate and then oxidizing a lot more lactate. Um, that's how I would do it. But like we kind of mentioned in terms of like mitochondrial mass and MCT transporters being part of that, uh, you know, adaptation host or host of adaptations, um, all endurance riding is going to get you better at clearing lactate. Like mitochondrial mass associated with high volume is going to be great. So if you want a good lactate clearance workout, go ride your bike for six hours at endurance pace. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I can see Just people, go do it. I can see people being very dissatisfied with that answer. I, okay, that's fine. I'm, that's my answer, yeah. but <laughs> you don't have to be happy with it. <laughs> I don't no, think no, anybody no, really... I don't think that's actually controversial at, at this point, though. Um, because I, I've seen a bunch of, like I saw a training peaks article, uh, a couple months ago, maybe it was like a year ago. Um, somebody was talking about how, you know, mitochondrial mass is one of the things that, uh, improves lactate oxidation and they're right. They're absolutely uh, right about yeah. it. And you know what else improves lactate oxidation and improves endurance training in general is threshold work. Threshold work is just spicy endurance work. Um, it, so, and then over-unders, you know, obviously while they're not equivalent, cause anybody who does over-unders can tell you oh, these feel a little different than straight threshold work. Um, obviously yes, but at the same time, they're, they basically have nearly the same adaptations in terms of just general, you know, aerobic stress. Um, you know, yeah. with the differences in muscle mass recruited and potentially, you know, cadence manipulation, all those kinds of things. And so you know, um, that, so th those are good lactate clearance workouts. You know what else is a good lactate clearance workout? VO2 max. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So here's one of the things about VO2 max is like, I've seen a lot of training protocols at like, you know, HIT type intervals sets like four minutes over and, you know, four minutes under or whatever. And they look at like lactate clearance or something. Um, and as long as you're, you know, spinning your legs easy, you're going to oxidize that lactate. Um, and so it doesn't, and, and this is here, this is one of the philosophical questions for people about their over under workouts. If you care about oxidizing lactate at a higher rate, you have to recover at a higher rate. That means that you are unable to push higher power in between. If you don't care about that and you just care about a, like a total amount of lactate oxidized, it doesn't matter how long it takes you to oxidize it. Like if you're mm, sitting there passively 
and your legs aren't moving, it's probably not gonna be done by your legs. And if you think that causes adaptation, then your liver is getting some adaptation. Your heart's getting some adaptation, but your legs yeah. aren't. Um, so keep your legs moving. And also when it comes to increasing threshold, um, and like we said about the origin of threshold, if you think that lactate is made and then oxidized, it's the same consequence as if you think that the, the way I do where um, threshold is a consequence of maximal steady state aerobic ATP production and you know consumption of substrate is secondary. Doesn't matter which one of these things you believe, increasing VO2 max is going to raise that. Same way as like if you're at 5,000 feet or 1,500 meters altitude, you've got a certain threshold. You go down to sea level, immediately you've got more oxygen and your threshold is higher. So it's pretty, pretty simple. Um, so, and all, and of course, riding a lot supports VO2 max adaptations. So maybe you should go ride a lot. Um, <laughs> imagine, uh, ima that is interesting to think. Imagine you, you just did a really hard anaerobic capacity or like VO2 max workout. You got a, a bunch of excess lactate and then some of it gets used by your brain, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Right? If it's just in your blood, you're like, Oh, every, every organ in my body is just going to have at it. <laughs> Whole body lactate tolerance. <laughs> um, feel the lactate burn in your brain after a, like a one minute test. Yeah. Um, and so for people with uh, WKO five, what you can do to assess general aerobic impact, positive aerobic impact, look at the aerobic, uh, adaptation score. And go do workouts and see what gives you a higher one. Uh, and because we designed it, I'm not trying to sell the BK5. I don't, I don't get a cut or anything like that. I got a, I got a very, <laughs> very, very small stipend for the work I did on that. And that was that. Yeah. Um, but it's no I, royalties. It's not like every time he mentions it, he oh gets a Oh my God, check. I wish. I would, <laughs> I would have tens of dollars. <laughs> uh, you but, get a penny every time you, you mention yeah, but it's but it, per letter. But it, well, well, that's why we have no ads because thank you, donators. Uh, we get we get more from donations than we would for ads for our listen counts. Um, appreciate that. Appreciate all of you. Um, so one of the things about uh, the training impact score is that we designed it to think about the very general molecular switches, um, and especially the peripheral ones in the muscle. So. Um, while VO2 max does not have a great high training impact score aerobically, and it usually pings a very high one anaerobically, like that's an easy anaerobic 10. Um, at the same time, we know that it has a very good systemic impact, but, um, but if we're doing like endurance work, if we're doing like tempo rides for racing, we usually see a pretty good aerobic impact. If not a, you know, you know, you go out and you do an eight hour gravel ride, like you, you get home, like. I better see a freaking 10. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> so, uh, so, or at least an eight, give me at least an eight. Um, so when you think about this, uh, where am I going to be able to increase my generalized aerobic adaptation switches? Where can I turn them on? All aerobic training, all aerobic riding. Uh, if you're untrained, anything, literally anything sprinting while you're untrained will give you aerobic adaptation. Yeah. Um, milk those noob gains, baby. Yeah. Love the noob gains. Um, and like I mentioned in the last podcast, so many papers look at people untrained. Like they're like, okay, we found these people who are trained. We made them rest for four weeks before we did the thing that we made them rest for another four weeks and they did another thing. And it's like, oh geez, 
What about train people? Um, anyway, so, so that's a pretty simple one. Um, what other types of workouts make us better at not producing as much lactate? Okay. We just went over this VO2 max. Um, now lactate tolerance. So we know there's no really such thing as like tolerance, but, but the, um, all the metabolic byproducts associated with lactate over threshold. So how do we get better at this? Kyle, what is your favorite workout ever? Favorite? Your favorite ever workout. <laughs> I know, I know, it's your fa- I know, I know your palms don't get sweaty at all when you see it in training piece. And I know that you don't put it off until late in the day at all when you've got one. <laughs> Could it be like two by five minute 30 30s yes and how do you pace those 30 30s i don't pace them that's the problem (laughs) fly and die no no pacing required here yeah just pedal hard until you can't really pedal anymore and then you like squint at the clock and you're like not done yet gotta keep pedaling (laughs) yeah i know it's a long it's time dilation how does that work it's the longest 30 seconds ever yeah um no i it makes sense. Like, I mean, I, like, I, I can't, I've never had something else to directly compare this to, but the feeling that you get after like digging really deep on like that, or like a 60 second test or something where there's this like deep, intense quad burn, like, and it's not, it's, it feels different than just like, say doing like high rep squats where you get like a pump. It's like a deep, like painful, sensation in addition to the pump. I don't know how to describe it. Um, it, it, it must be some, some metabolite, you know, acidosis, something, something, blah, blah, blah. Well, you don't know up. how to describe it, but nobody even knows why it happens. Yeah. But it, it is like, you know, that you, you know that something's going on though, right? Like you're ne- you're never like, Oh, I can't really stand up. <laughs> <laughs> See, I think it's funny that that's your reaction to those because for mine, um, like I get the quad burn, but it's mostly that my quads can't really contract that well. And then like once in a while, I'll get like a glute cramp or something like that, like a small glute cramp or like an adductor cramp is actually a bigger one for me with those if I'm really badly trained. Um, but it's more like for me, systemically, it hurts. Like my whole body wants to shrivel up into nothing. Oh, interesting. Um, and I- like after every set, like I'm on the side of the road lying down. My, the first thing I do is unclip my helmet and throw it away. I'm like, I cannot, like, like I, it's, the helmet is interrupting my breathing. I have to get it away from me. Sunglasses <laughs> off, jersey unzipped. I don't care how cold it is outside. Like, the chest is out after these efforts. Um, I I feel like I have, I have a thing where, like, and this happened to the kilo last week uh, in Milton. Like, I finished the kilo. Like, you finish, and you're, like, dying. And then it takes, like, a few seconds for it to kick in. So, you're, like, oh. mid, like, mid, like, cool down on the in, inside and of the track. you know it's coming. You get to the backside of the track, like, yeah, like, lean against the rail to, like, pull your feet out, like, have, like, toe straps. And, and then like, you sometimes have to have people help. Yeah. Yeah. You <laughs> awkwardly stumble. Luckily, there, they had a ramp, which was kind of nice, so you didn't have to, like, bend your legs to get down, uh, downstairs to get to the infield, but... Then, yeah, it was like I took my shoes off and I laid down on the ground because I like, you know, you want to think like, oh, I should should hop on the bike on the rollers and like pedal a little bit. But you can't like you said, you can't contract your legs. So you're just like, I'm just going to lay on the ground. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and how many people on the track have we seen 
Uh, there's a point to all this, by the way, listeners. So we're, we're getting there. Um, how many people on the track have you seen do a kilo, like the big sprinters, and they can barely stand up on the podium? And oh like, yeah. They, yeah, yeah, they've got the flag. They're sitting down the track side, like <laughs> with the flag, and like lying down, just like I did it. <laughs> Which is usually why it's like the last event, because it kills people. And when it's not the last event, they are slower in the sprint the next day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the past two years at Elite Track Nats in the U.S., the Kilo has been the first sprint event. It's like Ugh. they did Kilo, Kieran, Match Sprint, Team Sprint, and so you're like, by the time the sprints roll around, you're just fried because you did the Kilo and then the Kieran like back to back days. Ouch. Um, <laughs> anyway, so so I, th- I think we kind of touched on this in the last podcast, but the point that we're trying to make is that when you do anaerobic capacity efforts. Um, like nobody is entirely sure what the mechanism is that's happening. Um, but from my coaching perspective, the thing that I can say is absolutely associated with improving anaerobic capacity is when you are doing these efforts that you can barely contract your legs at the end. Like, and this is literally something that I write in training peaks for people. It's like, you know, you're doing these right. Like for the endurance people, it takes a longer, like for us, like, Here's a, here's how mine usually go for like five minutes. If I even get to five, I'll usually start with four because I can, I suck so much. Um, is like my first thirty seconds. I do these all seated, by the way. My first thirty seconds is usually like nine hundred fifty to a thousand watts. Yeah. My second thirty seconds is like seven hundred. My third <laughs> is like four fifty, if that. My la- my fourth is like maybe four hundred, and my last one, if I can even like get it is probably like 15 seconds at like 500 450 and then i i just can't even finish the effort um and then i lie down and pray for death <laughs> i i i'm an idiot and i will <laughs> mostly because it i think it helps just with like trying to like eke out some cadence i will usually oh, i'll do the first one like standing for a while oh, like God. just to get on, to get on top of it but then yeah like for the rest of them where it's seated like uh, most of the interval is seated for the rest of them, but a lot of times I will still do the first few seconds standing just to get on top of the gear. But yeah, you're like the, I'm trying to find I, it's yeah. You're like, you know, close to a thousand for that first one. Yeah. And then like 700, <laughs> it just gets like bleaker and bleaker and bleaker. Yeah. And then like in the tail end, like of every, the every 30 seconds, the like last for the last two, the last like 10 seconds of those 30 seconds is like 350 watts, like 400 watts. Like you're, you're yeah. like really, you're, you feel like you're trying so hard, but you're like, I am barely pedaling actually. <laughs> I know. Um, and, and here's the thing is like, when it comes to these efforts, it doesn't have to be 30 seconds on 30 seconds off. You can do these as 15, 15s. You can do this as 2020s, 2010s, 1020s. Like you can manipulate this many, many different ways. Uh, and what I've noticed is, um, and we'll do a proper podcast, probably a 10 minute tips because I don't, there's not as much hard science on anaerobic capacity as I want there to be. Um, and you know, fatigue resistance and all that stuff. Um, but, um, one of the things that I've noticed is if you give yourself a little more recovery time, it gets worse. <laughs> like if you go 30 seconds on like a, like a minute off, two minutes off, like that next 30 oh, seconds, you can dig deeper. Yeah, yeah. You can push so much harder and the pain afterwards is so much worse. It like, it, it like helps, but it also like doesn't help at all. And it's like, I, I don't, it's like, would you rather, <laughs> would you rather like, you know, 
drown in the sea or would you rather drown in a toilet? It's like, I, <laughs> I, 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 I <laughs> like there's no good choices here. Yeah. Here's one here. So I pulled up one just for funsies, a recent, recent, just one, one round of five minutes, seven sixty for the first 30 seconds, five thirty for the second 30 seconds, <laughs> four fifty, four forty, three eighty. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, but I got peaks, I got peaks, uh, I got like thousand watt peaks in every one of them trying to like, you know, send it the first few seconds, but then like, ugh, real yeah. fast. <laughs> I, I have found that, that even pacing the start of that doesn't help. Um, like even just like pulling it back to like, you know, like six to 800 watts. It's like it, the, the devil gets his due. Like you're not going to save yourself from it. It's sort of like doing VO2 max efforts. Like if you start with a thousand watt sprint every single time you do a VO2 max effort, like if you're training for the individual pursuit, okay, yeah, you've got to get up to speed real fast. Um, but at the same time, if you're just looking for the aerobic adaptation, you don't have to just kill yourself. You could like if you're VO2 max efforts, let's say they're three minutes at like 300 watts, you don't have to start at like 800. You can start at like. 400, 500, or, um, and you're going to get to basically the same spot. Uh, and, and, the, and these like anaerobic capacity and intervals are similar in that respect, because as long as you get to the point where you're just kind of dying and you can not really contract your muscles, <laughs> um, you're doing it right. Uh, and that's not to say that these kind of kinds of intervals don't have a cost because we're, you know, this is an alternative to an over under, which obviously does have some anaerobic capacity benefits. Like all that time working over threshold, it's, you know, it's non-zero. And if you're doing, you know, minute over minute under for like eight minutes and you can do three or four of these sets and that's it, like, because you can barely pedal at the end, like, yeah, sure. You're getting some anaerobic capacity kind of, um, kind of benefits. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, you could also get the same anaerobic capacity benefits by like, doing a couple five-minute interval steady or eight or whatever it is. Like the the difference between all these different modalities for the same purpose are not that big. And you might want to choose one or the other based on your specific race prep or just your personal preference. Like if you just like a max eight-minute effort up a hill as like an anaerobic capacity interval and you feel it helps you, and you've got evidence that it does, like your one minute power is going up or something like that. Do that. There's no reason not to. Yeah. So, um, any other thoughts on uh, anaerobic capacity before we get to some listener questions? Um, no. But if if my if my notes are correct, then uh, this is actually the the anniversary week for the podcast. I think it was in. 20 it march it was like march 23rd of uh oh god what year was it 2019 2018 what year was that oh i don't know how many how many years um but yeah it was uh yeah what year was it? i don't even remember that's bad right i should i should i should know this <laughs> i i um, got it. it was right before the pandemic i think it was like twenty. It yeah. might have been like late twenty eighteen or twenty nineteen or something. Well, it would have been. It, it's March. I remember it's March. It's like March twentieth ish. Let's see. Google will tell us or not. Google SoundCloud kind of. Uh, yeah, three years ago. Oh, cool. All right. So yeah. 
podcast is three years old and we have almost half a million listens. We got to figure out what we're going to do with a half a million three years to, to celebrate 500,000 listens total. Um, almost four years. Ago. Yeah. So it was, uh, the first one came out in, yeah, 2019, March, 2019. Sweet. First All right. So, um, and thanks to the podcast, by the way, I was able to quit my day job, like just, uh, just about eight, nine months after that. Um, even though I was kind of already on my way out, I was reducing my, my work days just because I had so much coaching stuff to do anyway. Um, so thank you all kind listeners for helping that along. Uh, okay. Listener questions. Um, how to determine the first workout length and frequency of over unders? Uh, well, we kind of touched on that, but yeah, like, um, if you want to do the, I, I would say start with like 15 minutes of like minute over four minutes under or two minutes over, or sorry, 30 seconds over two minutes under. Take your pick on that. Uh, pick some moderate targets, and you will quickly get a sense of, like, okay, I'll try to do three intervals like this. And if three feels easy, do a fourth. If four feels easy, do a fifth. Cool. Now you've got some good information. Now you can start prog- to progress time and zone, just like you would threshold workouts. Um, are longer formats, like 30 seconds over and one minute under, effective for more anaerobic riders? See, I don't necessarily think about riders being aerobic or anaerobic you get better at what you train. Um, I mean, Kyle, you're a fairly anaerobic rider, but if I, if we, you know, determined your FTP and I gave you some over-unders, like, do you think that would really be any different than a couple of years ago when you were well aerobically trained? Probably not. I mean, <clears throat> I think some of it too, if you're just naturally pretty anaerobic, like, yeah, it, well, okay. Oh, actually, I've got a thought on yeah. this. So if you assign your overs as like a percentage of your like five-minute power, your one-minute power, something like uh, that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Now you're going to have a rough day. Yeah. <laughs> so, and you right. know, yeah, I, I, well, because I, oh, I was just thinking like, you know, we usually tell people not to peg anything like in a direct correlation to FTP, but this is one thing where you can like get a sense of what works for you. Because like some people are better at going further over FTP and some people are not. Like I think when I was doing over-unders back in the day, I would do like a minute over at like 350, 360, and then mm-hmm. four minutes at like 250 to 270 or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. And I would do like three by 30 at these and I would just kind of pay some to vibes and I would just see the progression every week along with everything else I was doing. Um, but yeah, it was yeah. – um, and I, I'm, I wasn't, and still I am a very anaerobic rider, but that's just what worked for me. And so, uh, just get a, just get a sense of what works for you. Yeah. I could see if I did, if you, if the over was particularly short and you did have it relative to FTP or something like that, it could be, you could almost get through it without even really noticing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you could. So there, there, there would be like a range there where, yeah, if you want, if you pegged it as some fraction of five minute power of like a all out five minute test, you might have a pretty bad time because all of a sudden, you know, the first few would be fine, and then you start really tapping into your, you know, exhausting your anaerobic capacity, you'd be having a rough go at it. But yeah, I think within reason, um, yeah, if you're slightly more anaerobic, you may be able to bump the number up a little bit higher. But if it's to feel, then that's probably okay as long as you don't, you know, like I said. It's it's hard but sustainable. Yeah, hard but sustainable is a, a good way to approach it. Um, 
Uh, what's basically a couple questions on like, what's the relationship between how long should you do over unders versus what you can do like steady state for like FTP or sweet spot. Um, and the answer is, uh, I've actually thought about this a lot and I don't really think about the relationship between those two things. So like if somebody can do an hour of like threshold work, that doesn't make me think they need to be able to do at least 40 minutes or an hour or whatever of sweet, of like sweet spot over unders. I take the two things as you know, kind of, they, they both to me are like threshold workouts in mm-hmm. a way, but also I don't think about the relationship between those two. So, um, yeah. that and, feels like a little bit too into the like, oh, if you, in order to be good, you have to exactly be able to do this prescription. And you're like, well, that's not, yeah. <laughs> rarely is that true. Like, oh, all good riders can do this exact same thing, this exact ratio of things or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, how do you fit over unders into a threshold block? Um, so, you know, with the, uh, you know, with, with my view on over unders, you know, the longer ones anyway, not the anaerobic capacity ones, the longer ones being like threshold, you can just substitute a regular steady state threshold day for over unders, um, and just work on those kind of in a vacuum and work on your steady state stuff on the other day or two other days or whatever it is. Uh, but and that's it. Just you can just add them in and I don't have any, like if I'm talking to somebody one-on-one, like if I'm consulting with somebody, I will typically be able to recommend, oh, you should do this kind of over-under or that kind of over-under or this specific workout. Uh, and you might want to do one of these in one steady state threshold day, like that kind of stuff. Like specifically, if I know who I'm talking to and I know what the goals are and what their weaknesses are, that's really easy to determine. Um, otherwise, you know, it's, it's not, that important just have fun with it (laughs) there you go have fun yeah i i think that's a good point like within reason there's no reason you couldn't take what was supposed to be a two by 20 two by 30 sweet spot workout and change it into over unders as long as yeah you know Mm -hmm. it feels good and not like so beat up that you're not going to make it through yeah don't Um, add them though on top of all their (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh if you're working on TTE, do you have to do over-unders? No, absolutely no. not. <laughs> you can there do There are either. very few things you have to do, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, just I, the idea that like, oh, all, all elite time trialers do this. They ride their bike a lot. You know, I don't know. Like, <laughs> yeah, so some of them should ride their bike more. Um, <laughs> How much does Corey ride his bike? He rides his bike a lot, doesn't he? Yeah, 25 to 30 hours a week, typically. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, and that's cutting down a little bit um, for reasons we'll go into on a podcast with him later. Um, are there any differences in adaptation and if I like over-unders more than straight threshold? Um, I think as long as – yeah, it's like we said. As long as you're doing them to like threshold-type durations and you're progressing them like you would threshold time, no, they're not really. Um, let's see. A lot of questions on that. Um, uh Oh, are they good for mental variation, novelty, or both? Yes, absolutely. Yes. Like, if you are always looking for a new type of workout, there's no better way to approach, you know, manipulating all the different variables and having fun with it as over-unders. Like, they have the most things that you can adjust in order to make a workout. Oh, that's what you should do. You should write up something that's like the over under workout 
generator where like if you're bored <laughs> with, with your sweet spot work, you hit you hit like a randomize and it, like <laughs> do you remember that app that used to be um Urban Spoon? You would put in certain no. restaurant qualities that you want for your area and you'd hit like go and it would like suggest things for you. Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. Um so that's what you need. All right, Kyle, some in- write it. <laughs> I was going to say some, I know you some uh, entrepreneurial spirit can go out there and there's your million dollar idea. Someone's going to make money off of it. Yeah, charge um, charge $4.20 to use the app. Um, <laughs> 69 cents a roll. <laughs> like, oh, you don't like that one? 69 more cents if you press the... <laughs> you would have 138 cents. Um, uh, okay, so... What adaptation? Uh, oh, uh, can I do my FTP test as over unders? It's easier than sitting th- straight at threshold. Um, well, it's more fun a lot of the time. But um, one of the things about FTP testing is like, like let's say you're doing threshold work and you are good at you know accelerating every couple minutes from threshold. The accelerations are going to increase your average power. Um, like let's say you're doing it at like 250 watts and your accelerations add like 10 watts. Does that make your FTP go from 250 to 260? I don't necessarily think it does, but also I think the difference at that point is academic. And okay, fair, yeah, yeah, and like you know, you can look at the power like power curve is the power curve. Like if if it's like 260 and you feel like it's 260, fine. If you're using it to assign threshold work and 260 feels a little high, then it's not. Um, but there is a point at which, um, like if you're doing like 15, 15s, like a lot of, uh, like mountain biker type people, um, crit racers, like there's a lot of people who can actually put out threshold type power doing intermittent efforts, like 40, 20s or whatever. Um, and does that make that power invalid? I don't think necessarily it does because we're looking at a constant metabolic load and the aerobic stress of recovery between the work bouts in a single muscle fiber that's being recruited repeatedly, it still adds up to, I mean, my, my conception at this point is it still adds up to a sustained metabolic load. And while we're not getting some adaptations, like we're not contracting for those durations, um, so we are kind of have less calcium, like CAN-K signaling and stuff like that. At the same time, we're probably, you know, having about the same APK signaling and you know, all the other stuff. So, so yes and no. Um, it really, like, at, the, like at, at this point, the questions are becoming more academic and the practical thing is if you do these, do you get stronger? Yeah. You just don't want to do it like NP buster style where you just like send <laughs> some yeah. 30 yeah. 30s use, or something. For, yeah. Don't use normalized yeah. power for these. Use average power, yeah. especially if you want to try to get a threshold sense from them. Um, uh, any cadence tips? Yeah. I love manipulating cadence on over-unders, especially the overs high cadence for like track people and crit people is probably – when I get a track racer, I'm like, oh my God, I love these. Here, high cadence for your overs. Great, go. And yeah. People, yeah, people like, at, and also with the that kind of stuff helps people, it, it helps me get a sense of how fatigued somebody is. Because a lot of the time, those like high cadence stuff, even if it's not like an over, even if it's just manipulating cadence to get somebody ready, like, you know, 30 seconds of high cadence, two minutes of regular cadence. I can tell if somebody's tired by how easy it is for them to do the high cadence stuff. Mm. You know, there's a lot of information you can gather from that. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, 
uh, adaptations you get from over-unders that you necessarily don't from threshold intervals. Uh, I think actually getting into bigger motor units is probably the biggest one. Um, mm. Although there's not, you know, obviously any hard science on that. Uh, but I would say that's probably the, the, the fun one so far. And also, especially if you just aren't good at uh, accelerating or going over threshold and then, you know, riding steady state underneath. And that's, a, especially if that's a skill that you need, like if you're in a race and you've got a 20 minute climb and people are going to accelerate and like, you're going to have a hard time with that. And you don't want to try to just diesel your way back up to them. Practice this for sure. Um, but dieseling up the side of the road is kind of fun sometimes, you know, so if that's your, <laughs> if that's your climbing style. Then. All right. So after our little technical glitch, um, so all of the rest of the Instagram questions are pretty much along the same lines. So if we didn't get to yours specific question and you think that it was significantly different from all of the other ones that we covered, uh, let me know. I, I apologize ahead of time, uh, DM me on Instagram and I will try to answer your question for you. Uh, most likely I'm just going to say the same difference. Um, even with your, you know, slightly different take on the question, but, uh, I will still answer it anyway. So, um, so yeah, thank you everybody for the, for the questions. Um, you know, I, I think we kind of addressed a lot of what, uh, what got asked ahead of time, but I wanted to kind of address them anyway, in case there was any uh, other differences, but, um, yeah, Kyle. So any, uh, any wrap up thoughts on, uh, on over unders and their specialness, uh, and, you know, alternative workouts and, uh, you know, kind of, you know, wrapping up thoughts for, uh, for this, uh, this 10 minute tips. Um, no, I mean, over unders are fun. I kind of, I've always kind of liked that, you know, break up the boredom, slightly more fun fart like type thing. So if, if they work for you do them, um, you know, unfortunately there's nothing miraculous about them versus other types of, you know, higher intensity aerobic workouts, but they're, they're great. And they, like you said, they provide you a lot of flexibility. So they're like a good, I don't know, genre of workout to like play with and to, to kind of feel out. And then, and like, like you said, as you get closer to race season, they're maybe a little more race specific. And so you can feel like then you're also, there's a skill component to them, be it accelerations, higher tempo or not higher tempo, higher cadence, things like that. That's, that's good. Or, you know, if you're cross country mountain bike, click it down, harder gear, lower cadence, stuff like, you know, lots of little knobs you can turn to make them fun and, and still worthwhile and, and not just two by 20 until, you know, you die of boredom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And so if you want to think about like anaerobic capacity, do some anaerobic capacity workouts, or if you want to, if you want to do an over under kind of tweener workout, then you can do that. Um, you know, as, but as soon as we find a study that really looks at over under workouts and, uh, and their, you know, their consequences versus other different types of workouts, um, yeah, we're going to do a podcast about that. So if anybody actually has one, uh, of course, all my searching around probably, I bet there's a couple people going, Oh God, why didn't Coley see this study? Um, cause there, there actually was one, uh, that I was thinking about and I couldn't include it because the, uh, this is what you want in a paper is the methodology section was vague. <laughs> so, um, yeah. it wasn't entirely clear if the intervals had like how the rest intervals happened between the overs and unders, if there were any at all. Um, mm. I, I looked at the study that the paper referenced as having been based on, and I see recovery intervals where the heart rate gets down to, you know, at 90, 95% max, then the heart rate gets down to 120 before they go again. Um, and so that's what it said it was based on. But obviously if, if we're going to have a confusing methodology section, 
it's not going to be good to include or base any kind of good conclusions on. So yeah, it's hard to hard to suggest workouts based on a, yeah. a confusing. And people have different readings of this paper too. Some people are like, yeah, that's a strict over under workout. There was no rest in between. And actually what I thought was interesting is that there was no difference between those two things anyway, really. And actually the steady state ones were slightly better um, in terms Muscle of their confusion. adaptations, but <laughs> God, don't even start. Um, but anyway, yeah. So that, that was like the only other really real paper where I was like, oh, this is kind of it, but it's really, it's really not it. Um, this is now like what, two and a half hours of podcasting on over unders. Um, so I hope, uh, I hope everybody had a good listen. And again, uh, as usual, uh, in our conclusions, if it works for you, do it. If it doesn't, don't, but you really want to make sure that you have that good feedback loop of having evidence that something actually does what it's supposed to do. And that, you know, if, if over, if you think over unders are supposed to increase your threshold, make sure that they are. And if they are, then I am absolutely nobody to uh, complain about that. So, um, yeah. So thanks everybody for listening as always. And thank you for all of the listener questions up at empirical cycling on Instagram, uh, up in the stories. Uh, weekend AMAs this weekend were a lot of fun as usual. So thanks for all of those questions. So give me a follow over there. And of course, if you are a fan of the podcast uh, and you've already subscribed and all that good stuff, you've left a nice review, uh, please share the podcast. Um, uh, even if it's going to be a little controversial, which that's fine too. <laughs> Sorry if you don't agree, uh, but I'm louder than you right now. So, um, that's, that's, that's what it is. So if you want to donate to the show, we have no ads empirical cycling at, um, uh, dot com slash donate. And of course, if you would like to reach out for coaching or a consultation, um, if you want to, if you want to hire me for consultation and tell me why I'm wrong about over-unders, I'm fine with that too. <laughs> if you want to argue for an hour, <laughs> we can do that. That sounds like a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, empirical cycling at gmail.com if you want to reach out for any of that. Um, and uh, with that, we will see you all in the next episode. Thanks everyone.